Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you on this Friday. We're looking forward to an amazing weekend. We're going to be spending the next hour and a half in the book of Revelation. Can't wait to get there. We'll be in chapter 7 and 8 with a little review in chapter 6. But before we go any further, a tragedy has taken place in the Galilee, uh, Israel, in Galilee, the northern part of Galilee in Israel. A <clears throat> Over 100 injured people. And over 40 people dead. We're talking about what happened yesterday in Israel. And here's the story coming out of Jerusalem. More than 40 people were killed and over 100 injured during a stampede Friday morning at a Jewish religious festival in northern Israel. This was a festival. I think over 90,000 people had gone to this festival. The disaster took place at Mount Miron in northern Galilee, where thousands of mostly ultra-Orthodox Jews gathered for a festival called Lag Omir. And today, by the way, is the 33rd day of the counting of the Omer, if you're doing it. Well, the festival honors Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, a second century sage and mystic who is buried there. It is unclear what caused the stampede at the popular event, but witnesses described watching people getting crushed. A witness identified only by his first name, Devere, told Israel's army radio that, quote, masses of people were pushed into the same corner and a vortex was created. 
He said a first row of people fell down, then a second row also began to fall down from the pressure of the stampede. He said, I felt like I was about to die. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu called the event a great tragedy and said, everyone is praying for the recovery of the injured. Israeli media reports show rows of dead bodies. An officer from Israeli Zaka Emergency Rescue Service, which typically deals with cleaning up the aftermath of suicide bombings and terror attacks, told Ynet News, I've never seen anything like this. We don't know exactly what happened, but the result is unthinkable. I want you to recall a scripture coming out of the book of Amos that Amos said that their celebrations, their festivities would be turned into lamentation and mourning. I think we're seeing a preview. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, Zaki Heller, spokesman for the Megan David Adam Rescue Service, said at least 150 people, at least 150 people were injured. Heller told Army Radio, no one had ever dreamed something like this could happen. In one moment, we went from a happy event to an immense tragedy. Netanyahu declared Sunday a national day of mourning for the victims. He said, there were heartbreaking scenes here, people who were crushed to death, including children, Netanyahu says after visiting the scene. He also promised a speedy investigation. He said, we will carry out a comprehensive, serious, detailed investigation to ensure this kind of disaster never happens again. Some 90,000 people were attending the first event of its size since the coronavirus restrictions were lifted. So here's what's happening again out of Jerusalem, Israel. There was a gathering together of over 90,000 people in northern Galilee to celebrate the Count of the Omer, the La Omer, and a stampede. Something happened where those 90,000 people were together so close The coronavirus restrictions lifted, no social distancing, no masks, none of that. The people were celebrating, and something happened where the people themselves pressed. And in the pressing, we have over 40 people dead. That would be a tragedy in any mass shooting, right? And here we have over 150 people injured. And this is simply because people were celebrating the counting of the Omer. It's a very tragic scene. And yet I know these tragedies are happening all over the world in Nigeria. People are being burned to death. They are being slain by the sword of Islam, et cetera, et cetera. We could count it in the churches, the underground churches in China. Once again, persecution breaking out around the world. And yet we are very much aware that the tragedy of one person dying, a death that is premature is as sad as anything else going on in this world today. So there it is, just a bit of news coming out of Jerusalem, Israel. Very, very sad news. And yet, folks, get ready because the worst is yet to come. According to the biblical document called the Book of Revelation, we are witnessing the signs of the times everywhere. And as we proceed in this incredible book, this end-time Bible prophecy, waiting for its moment to be unveiled, which we believe it has already begun. The woman has begun her labor pangs, and we're going to talk more about that today. So welcome to the broadcast. God bless each one of you that will be joining us today. I'm going to move immediately into what we talked about yesterday with a few added details. 
we were studying Revelation chapter 6, and we talked about how this has all begun. You need to go back to yesterday's broadcast if you did not have a chance to join us. And we were reading about the sixth seal. We have confirmed that whether it was since 9-11-2001, or if you want to begin at the very beginning 2,000 years ago with historical data, we have evidence, pure factual evidence, unadulterated evidence that the book of Revelation chapter 6, the first five seals, have been opened. We believe that they opened, particularly as Israel has become a nation in 1948, which is consistent Bible prophecy. All prophecy takes place while Israel is a nation. And now in our generation, when Israel became a nation, we could actually detail, particularly beginning in 9-11-2001, the events of the first five seals opening. The one event that we cannot find that has actually taken place was this sixth seal event. Let's read it one more time. We're going to just talk about it, and then we'll proceed into Revelation chapter 7. And it says again, Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. I want you to pay attention to the language right now. And the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. So get that language, okay? And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the mighty men, the chief captains, and every bondman and every freeman hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Okay, so a tremendous amount of information to unpack in the sixth seal, but I want us to realize that the event that is spoken of here since 9-11-2001, I have not found this to have been fulfilled. However, there has been fulfillment of this type of language in times past. As a matter of fact, when we talk about the heavens rolling together like a scroll, <clears throat> I want to go back to 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. And here's what we read. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. All right, what a picture, right? What a, what a picture of an end-time event of the heavens. But I want us to go all the way back to Isaiah chapter 34. I want you to hear this language, Isaiah chapter 34, and we'll pick it up in verse 1. And here's what we read. <clears throat> Come near, you nations, to hear 
and hearken, you people. Let the earth hear and all that is therein, the world and all things that come forth of it. For the indignation of the Lord is upon all nations, his fury upon all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He hath delivered them to the slaughter. Their slain also shall be cast out, and their stink shall come up out of their carcasses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. Listen to verse 4. And all the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled together as a scroll, just like Revelation 6 said, and all their host shall fall down as the leaf falleth off from the vine and as a falling fig from the fig tree. All right, so we have very similar language in Isaiah's prophecy at a time when Israel was under judgment and the nations of the earth. All right, so the judgment always begins in the house of God. So in Isaiah's prophecy, it was the Assyrian that was going to deal with Israel for their sin against God. But then God's anger and fury would be revealed against all the nations of the earth. And we hear this very similar language. But here there's a mystery unveiled in verse 5. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven. Behold, it shall come down upon Idumea and upon the people of my curse to judgment. Well, who were the Idumeans? That was the seed of Esau. And you know that Jacob had, uh, or excuse me, Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. The blessing went to Jacob. The curse came upon Esau. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Well, the seed of Esau are what we know as the Idumeans. And here in this prophecy, The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made fat with fatness and with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra and a great slaughter in the land of Idumea. And the unicorn shall come down with them and the bullocks with the bulls in their land shall be soaked with blood and their dust made fat with fatness. For it is the day of the Lord's vengeance and the year of recompenses for the controversy of Zion. Wow. So what's really going on here? So we have this apocalyptic language in Isaiah chapter 34, particularly designed to come upon Idumea, the adversary and the enemy of Israel. Now, God has already judged Israel. Israel will go through its judgment because, again, judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And so now we see this apocalyptic language, same language as Revelation chapter 6. Let's take a quick peek at Isaiah chapter 13, Isaiah chapter 13, and I, and I will, will give you the reason why we're talking about this like this right now, but I want to begin in verse 5, Isaiah 13, 5, listen to the language, they come from a far country, from the end of heaven, even the Lord and the weapons of his indignation to destroy the whole land. How will ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand, it shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, 
and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Now listen to this language. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. We talked yesterday about how the beginning of sorrows in the first four horsemen of the apocalypse, if you will, how it is like a woman in travail. We saw that in the first horse release. Verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light, the sun shall be darkened in his going forth. The moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. And then, of course, in thir- verse 13 of Isaiah 13, Therefore I will shake the heavens, and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. All right, so what is this language? Let's go back to Revelation chapter 6. We're looking at the sixth seal. It has very incredible, intense, apocalyptic language. And again, it talks about a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. The stars of heaven fell under the earth. What is this? It is language that talks about the end of an epoch, the end of an era, the end of a time. There is time no longer. We've talked about that. It's when American greatness is met with divine justice. It is when American arrogance is met with divine justice. It deals with any nation on the face of the earth that has resisted the will of God, blasphemed God Almighty, and has been rebellious and proud. You read this in Scripture from the beginning of time when a nation or an individual, but we're talking about nations here, rebels against the Lord, arrogantly hardens its heart against the Lord. We know that the time of accountability comes and all this language is when God says in his dispensation of his economy okay you have pro- crossed the point of no return so now as a retribution for your rebellion your blasphemy your resistance and warring against me I am now going to move my hand and this is very severe because we know in America, the Judeo-Christian nation, that we have sinned grievously against the Lord. We don't deny that. We have legislation and Supreme Court justices and federal judges across the uh, land who have supported and are now again supporting full-term abortion, that taxpayer dollars once again will be used to fuel those full-term abortions. We know that blasphemy pours out of the belly of the beast in Hollywood every day against the Holy Son of God. We know that laws have been promoted that offend God Almighty. So this is not a political issue. This is a nation that has gone headlong against the Lord, fought against the Lord, pulled down righteous laws that once protected the psyche of a nation, and have promoted laws that will pervert the psyche of a nation through homosexuality, lesbianism, transgenderism, 
abortions, shedding of innocent blood, perversity everywhere. Again, this is iniquity, lawlessness, where God's laws are no longer promoted, but the laws of the Antichrist. And there are just a horrible release. So what is that going to be met with? Well, all that blasphemy, all of that arrogance, all of that pride, all of that rebellion in the church and outside the church within a nation called America, a Judeo-Christian nation that had the values and the ethics of a godliness, a more moral society in its past, are now ready to be met with this thundering, apocalyptic reality. In other words, your time of judgment is coming, and it is coming at the hand of the Lord. And he will use the Assyrian, the Babylonians, the nation of Islam. He will use China and Russia. He will use every device available to him, including comets and meteorites and asteroids, whatever he wants to employ from the heavenly realms. That's what it means, the stars falling from heaven. So, We're in this moment waiting, and we've seen the first five seals open. We're waiting for this six-seal event, and now we're going to proceed. We're going to look at something here as we move now into Revelation chapter 7. Can you imagine? I want you to know something about the book of Revelation, the prophecy. Remember we said the first five books are all introductory. The prophecy is sealed with seven seals. The first seals are opened in Revelation chapter 6, which means when that first seal opened with the white horse, the rider, the bow, etc., etc., that was an understanding that we should have had in our hearts and minds to understand this is where it began, and it is the opening of the seven seals. The prophecy is now going forth. We believe it began on 9-11-2001. That might sound arrogant to some people or audacious to some people. But as we mark this out, we put all the pieces together. There's no reason why we cannot identify since 9-11-2001 that the globe, the world, has been shaken Not like anything that we've had since Israel was a nation. That's the key. Uh, World War I, World War II, you know, Bolshevik Revolution, all those events that happened took place at a time when Israel was a scattered people. When Israel became a nation, the first event to hit this earth that shook the world was 9-11-2001, and it was the beginning of sorrows. So now we're going to talk about a pause in the pangs. If the prophecy, the book of Revelation, is like a woman in travail, which is all apocalyptic language, well, the first five seals are very much labor pains. The sixth seal event, which seems to be right upon us, then comes chapter 7, pause in the pangs. Any woman that has given birth to a child, I've talked to women, I've asked them about it, it's true. When they go into labor pain, it's an intense thing that happens. And when they calm down and there's a pause, it's just a relief. And that seems to be where we are right now. And with each seal that opened, these were the pangs. And then there's like a little minor pause. Thank God it doesn't just continue on until the very end. Then it doesn't have any rest. So there's a pause in the pangs. And then the next pang comes in a new level of 
intensity, acceleration begins to take place. So we move into, there are three places in the book of Revelation that have a pause in the pangs. Chapter 6, the prophecy begins, labor pains. Chapter 7, a pause in the pangs. Chapter seven, or chapter 8, 9 are labor pains, which we're going to look at, and they're massive. And then chapter 10, there's a pause in the pangs. And then we get into Revelation 11, 12, 13. 14 and 15 are a pause in the pangs. And then it gets into Revelation 16, 17, 18, and 19, and we have another pause later on. But we'll get into the meaning of that in just a sec. But let's get into Revelation chapter 7, and I'm going to use my board. Now, here's what we read in Revelation chapter 7. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. So what do we have here in the first verse of Revelation 7-1? The scene shifts. There was a tremendous amount of shaking in the first six seals. And we're waiting for that sixth seal event. It's possible that symbolically it has already been fulfilled, but we'll take a peek at that. Remember yesterday, we appreciate every view. Okay. So, but here we have something that is introduced known as the four winds. So when we talk about the four winds, we refer immediately to, again, the book of Daniel. And I want to go there, Daniel chapter 7. So let's take a look what the purpose of the four winds are, how the Bible interprets itself, and what we could expect, what's going to happen with these four winds. What are they all about? Well, we know that they're being held back. There are four angels that are holding back the four winds, so that the winds do not blow upon the earth, the sea, or any green tree. Now watch. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 1, here's what we read. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Well, here it is. Daniel spoke and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven strove upon the great sea. Now, in the Amplified Version of the Bible and other translations, what that actually says is that I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds representing political and social agitations, they strove upon the great sea of humanity. So you have to get a picture when you stand back here and understand the four winds in every direction, the winds he saw were blowing upon the sea of humanity, and those winds represented 
political and social agitations which were stirring up the great sea of humanity. In other words, among the nations of the earth, there was a time of turmoil. There was a time where the sea and the waves are roaring. Okay, this is a time of political and social agitation. Do we see that in the world today? Do we see political and social agitation stirring up Antifa, Black Lives Matter, racism? I mean, you name it. And all around the world, from democracy to communism, socialism, Islam. So there's this turmoil, okay, that Daniel saw in his day. So get that in your spirit. Political, social agitations striving upon the great sea of humanity. So when these winds are released, the nations of the earth are in turmoil. Now, we know in Luke chapter 21, and I just need to digress for a moment and read this. Luke chapter 21, very simple language, but it really shows what Jesus was saying would be in the last days. In Luke chapter 21, beginning in verse 25, there shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, in the stars, and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea of humanity and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. All right, so let's get this really clear in our spirit, okay? There comes a time, Jesus said in the last days, that there will be upheaval among nations, perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear for what they see. Right now, men's hearts are stout. Right now, men's hearts are arrogant, and there's a reason why. We're going to see it in just a moment. Right now, we see this arrogance. Everything's normal. Everything's peaceful. Everything's okay. Okay? And there's a little bit more language we need to read here, and we're going to get into it. But get the vision now. What Daniel saw, and I'm in Revelation 7, and I'm talking about the four angels that are standing on the four corners of the earth who are holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth or the sea or any tree. So there's these angels holding back the winds. This is the pause. We've had major events, and now there's a holding back, but something's coming. And what we can expect to see when these four winds are released is what Daniel saw. And again, what did Daniel see? He saw in his visions the four winds of heaven striving upon the great sea. Now, what happens when that takes place? When the release of the winds go, Daniel 7.3 says, And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. Now, we know that these four beasts, and we studied Bible prophecy in Daniel 7, were the first beast was what? The sea diverse from one another. First was like a lion. That was the Babylonian kingdom. The second beast was the Medo-Persian kingdom, the bear The third beast was the leopard, which was the Grecian Empire. The fourth beast that came up out of the sea in this time of turmoil was the Roman Empire, the one with the iron teeth. So Daniel saw four empires 
rise out of the sea of humanity, one after another, each one being unique unto itself, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, when the winds are blowing upon the sea. So what happens in the book of Revelation? Well, in the book of Revelation, let's go there now. I want to get back to the book of Revelation, chapter 7. And here's what we find. Revelation, chapter 7, verse 1. We have the, the four winds are holding everything back. There's a pause in the pangs. Let's go to verse 2. It says in Revelation 7, 2, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. All right, so in the pause of the pangs, before those four winds will release, something is taking place. There is the sealing of the saints. Now, these are particular saints. These are not all the saints. Okay, this is not the general seal of Ephesians where we've all been sealed with the Holy Spirit. This is not that seal. The sealing of the saints here is representative of the sealing of the overcomers. The overcomers. And you're going to see here who they are, and we're going to talk about it. But I, I, want, to, I want to just remind you of this. What are the four winds are going to, what are they going to do? When the four winds release, the sea of humanity is going to go into turmoil. We're going to see a perplexity we've never seen before. We've seen a little bit of it, right, with the, the rioting and all around the world it was all happening, the wars. So there's a stirring, and out of the stirring comes an empire. Well, in the book of Revelation, what we're going to see is what, when these four winds begin to blow, eventually what rises out of the sea of humanity is in Revelation 13, where it is the lion, the bear, and the leopard all become one. And that's why we're going to continue to talk about the Islamic beast, because what we know is that Babylon was from the Middle East. We know that Medo-Persia was from the Middle East. We know that the Grecian Empire at that time was rising, and then the Roman Empire. So what you see in Daniel as four separate kingdoms in the book of Revelation chapter 13 during the Great Tribulation, these have all come together as one. It reminds me of a caliphate that will be formed. And remember yesterday we talked about the four colors of the four horses, a clue given by God 2,000 years ago to the generation that would witness the rise of Islam. And I do believe that we're going to see a caliphate form by the time we get to the Great Tribulation with the aspects of the Roman Empire and the Grecian Empire. We're talking about seven heads and ten horns. We'll get into all that as we go. But right now, right now, we're dealing with the seal. Let's go. I want to look at something. Ezekiel chapter 9. Ezekiel chapter 9. And what I want to find there, and I'll just read it out of the scriptures here, Ezekiel chapter 9. This is interesting. So I'm trying to put 
two biblical realities from the Old Testament with what's going on in Revelation, letting and allowing the Bible to interpret itself. So in Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 1, here's what we read. He cried also in my ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lies toward the north, and every man had a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a rider's inkhorn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub whereupon he was to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the rider's inkhorn by his side. Now remember, in Revelation 7-2, I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given. So here comes an angel that has a seal. Now in Ezekiel chapter 9, and he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the rider's inkhorn by his side, and the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. All right. So in Ezekiel chapter 9, there's a man with an inkhorn. He has a seal. He goes and he puts a mark on the forehead of the men who sigh and cry for the abominations that are being committed in the land of Israel. That would be likened unto today in these last days, Christians around the world, those who are sighing and crying for the abominations that are going on in the earth today, that there will be a seal, a literal mark in their foreheads. Now, what does he say in verse 5 in Ezekiel chapter 9? To the others he said, In my hearing, go ye after him through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men, which were before the house, He said unto them, defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. Go ye forth. And they went forth and slew in the city. This is apocalyptic language for judgment that is going to take place. Verse 8. And it came to pass while they were slaying them and I was left that I fell upon my face and cried and said, ah, Lord God. Here comes the intercessory prayer of Ezekiel. Ah, Lord God, will thou destroy all the residue of Israel in thy pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem? Then said he unto me, the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great, and the land is full of blood, and the city full of perverseness. Listen, from God's perspective, when he looked at Israel, he saw a condition, a climate, an environment that God was very displeased with. He said that it was filled with iniquity, lawlessness. He said that it was 
um, filled with blood. He said that it was filled with perverseness. Today, America, the Judeo-Christian nation, the Judeo-Christian nation is lawless. It is filled with blood of over 90 million innocent babies that have been murdered at the hands of abortionists. And it is so perverse that we call good evil and evil good. Whatever God saw in Israel in the days of Ezekiel, he's seeing triple in the United States of America today, a nation that knows the moral integrity of our father. They know the law of God, but they have torn it down. They have filled our land with innocent blood. They have perverted our nation with every wicked device. There's no doubt that was written in the days of Ezekiel is about to be fulfilled in the United States of America in a prophecy that is literally telling us this is what's coming. But before it happens, we're going to seal those who sigh and cry for the abominations that are committed in the land. We're not talking about Christians who are enjoying their stay in Babylon. We're not talking about the mixed multitude or the multitude of believers that are enjoying. They don't cry. They don't sigh. They don't even blush over what's going on. They hardly speak a word about it. They're just enjoying their time in Babylon, and and that's not who he said to Mark. He said, Mark those who sigh and cry for the abominations that are in the land. So he goes on, and God said, because of the condition For they say, this is what the people say in the land, the Lord has forsaken the earth. The Lord seeth not. And as for me also, my eyes shall not spare. Neither will I have pity, but I will recompense their way upon their head. Isn't that what the leaders and people today, the earth, the Lord has forsaken the earth. The Lord doesn't see what we're doing. He really doesn't care. He's gone off somewhere. He's not aware of all this negativity. Surely if the Lord had been aware of what was going on, he would have long ago judged it, but he did. He's been judging America since 9-11-2001. He has been, the alarm clock rang. Judgment began. It was to be an awakening. There was a great strife against the nation. Judgment was always intended to turn the nation back. Since 9-11-2001, we've seen one lash after another, one stripe after another. And we've been beaten with many stripes, but then we come to Isaiah 1. Why shall I beat you any further? You've only hardened your heart. Now I'm turning you over to destruction. I'm going to break you. I'm now going to break you. That's biblical. That's language. Okay, so I know it's harsh, but it's a reality. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you sigh and cry for the abominations committed in the land today? Do you look at America today and sigh and cry and weep and lament and mourn for what we have become? Well, if you don't, guess where you're going? Into the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. But these sealed ones, they're not going to be touched. Watch this. Verse 11, behold, the man clothed with linen, which had the inkhorn by his side, reported the matter, saying, I have done as thou hast commanded me. All right, let's go back to Revelation chapter 7. What have we talked about so far? So far today, when we look at Revelation chapter 7, there were two things I wanted you to see. The four winds, 
And when they blow what they produce, out of the political and social agitations rise kingdoms, beasts. The seal before the winds blow are those before the judgment comes, which we just read in Ezekiel, the slaughtering weapons in their hands. But wait, let's mark them first who sigh and cry. There's a sealing. Now, in Revelation chapter 7, verse 3, we heard, don't hurt anybody until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. That's exactly what Ezekiel chapter 9 said. Are we in the moment right now in the, in the seeming pause that we're experiencing? It's kind of a weird pause from all the turmoil we've seen. Or is, it, it may not even be much of a pause. And... Is it possible that God is moving throughout the earth right now, sealing those who do sigh and cry? Well, who are they? That's what we're going to talk about now. Who are the servants of God who are going to be sealed in their forehead? Let's go to Revelation chapter 7, verse 4. And this may tweak some of your theology But let's see what the Bible has to say. Revelation 7, 4, and I heard the number of them which were sealed. There were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Now, immediately we have an idea. Well, this is obviously 144,000 Jews, natural Jews, From the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 from each tribe. And so this is a Jewish thing, a lot of Bible prophecy and teachers say. This is all about Jewish people, Israel, according to the flesh. And those other folks are all the Gentiles. That's how we say it. But does that really come through when we study this out? Let's take a look. It does say that there were 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel, and then it describes them. And it says, of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. The tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000. The tribe of Nephilim were sealed 12,000. tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. Simeon, 12,000. Levi, 12,000. Issachar, 12,000, Zebulon, 12,000, Joseph, 12,000, Benjamin, 12,000. So the number 12 in Bible prophecy, by the way, is government. So when you have 12,000 from the 12 tribes and you have 144,000, you have a complete governmental number. No doubt, these are the governing people. But are they simply Jews? Israelites, Hebrews, or is there another possibility? Well, I believe you cannot conclude anything to be true if there's another side of the coin. And I want to go to Romans chapter 11 to talk about who these 144,000 are. First of all, there's a couple of points we have to make. So Romans chapter 11 You could study the whole thing. You could read the first 16 verses. I'm going to begin in verse 17. Paul was writing, and he said, Romans 11, 17, 
some of the branches be broken off. Now he's referring to Israel, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, the Israelites, call them what you will. If some of the branches be broken off and you being a wild olive tree, speaking of the Gentiles. So you had the branches of Israel, the people of Israel, and then you had the wild olive tree, the Gentiles. And he says, if some of the branches be broken off and you being a wild olive tree, a Gentile, were grafted in among them. Get the language. If you as a Gentile, were grafted in among them, the Jews, and with them partake of the root and fatness of the olive tree. And it gets back to Ephesians, where we've been grafted in, we become fellow citizens and heirs and all of that. So if you've been grafted into the Israel of God, What happens? Well, let's look at verse 24. In verse 24 of Romans chapter 11, it basically repeats it again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, the Gentile, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, Israel, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? In other words, some of the natural were broken off. The Gentiles came in. The natural could be regrafted if they repent and turn to the Messiah. That's very clear language. My point is, if you have been grafted into the Israel of God, then you've been assimilated into the tribes of Israel. So by the time you get to Revelation chapter 7, and you're looking at the 12,000 from the 12 tribes, Well, you cannot discount the fact that you may be one of them because you've been grafted in. And Paul always said, not to the natural Jew, but to the spiritual Jew. What are we talking about there? Romans chapter 2. Don't get upset with me yet. It says in Romans 2, 28, for he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. And I can go on down with a lot of verses to, con- to, to just show. When you get to Revelation chapter 7 and you see the 144,000, you cannot blank out. You cannot black out and say, well, that has nothing to do with me because that's for the Jewish people. No. In context of Scripture in the New Testament, the wild Gentiles were grafted in among them. Ephesians chapter 2 is so huge on this issue. And if you've been grafted in among them, then why wouldn't you qualify to be one of those people who sigh and cry for the abominations committed in the land and receive the mark in your forehead? So who are they? Well, let me show you in in Revelation chapter 14 who they really are and why they were sealed. Okay, so Revelation 14, let's just look at verse 1. Revelation 14, 1. And I looked... And lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. 
And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song but the 144,000. Now watch which were redeemed from the earth. Now listen, it tells you who they are. These are they which were not defiled with women. Ah, so here's the first clue of why they were sealed. They were not defiled. Now you say, well, I've, I've been defiled with women or men. But if you're born again, you have a new nature. You become a virgin, remember? And it says, they were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Are you a wise virgin or a foolish virgin is the question. These are they which follow the lamb whithersoever he goes. Do you follow the lamb? Do you obey the word of God? Do you do what he tells you to do? Are you an obedient follower, a joyful follower of the lamb? Wherever he goes, you go. Wherever he leads, you follow. Come on. Is this you? It's talking about the conduct of a person, not their outward, I'm a Jew. I know it's going to shift some theology, but let's go on. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and of the Lamb. In the last days, a first fruits are going to be redeemed by the Lord. There's no doubt about it. There's a first fruits company. And listen, verse 5, in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Now you understand why they were sealed. They are a people that are without fault. There's no guile in their mouth. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. Their defilement with, with the idols and, and the flesh and the world and devils has been completely washed in the blood of the lamb. They are an undefiled, unspotted, overcoming people with no guile, without fault. Now you find in Jude, the book of Jude, the book right before the book of Revelation, we find this language here. It says in verse 24 of Jude, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. So in Jude's letter to the saints, he's telling them, it's the Lord that's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. How are we presented faultless? By our faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. By the grace of God that has been bestowed upon all human beings that receive Christ, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. But there is no Jew-Gentile paradigm any longer, remember, he made of the two one new man in the earth. There is neither Jew or Gentile. So the 144,000 in the Israel of God, is it possible that your life, your conduct, your walk with the Lord is emulating a reason why you would be sealed? Because you do follow the Lamb. You're not compromised. You're not lukewarm. You don't have spots and wrinkles and blemishes that you've ignored your whole life. 
You have worked out a salvation with fear and trembling. You put off the old man. You put on the new man. It's all biblical New Testament language. If you will receive it, you don't have to. All right, so now there's another group of people. Let's go on to Revelation chapter 7. We just saw that there are a people group, or there is a people group, that are going to be sealed, which means the great tribulation is not going to touch them. All right, so who's the other group? Well, let's go see. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, Wow. So in in basic theology, in the Jew-Gentile paradigm, while the 144,000 were the Jews and these untold multitude, this great multitude are the Gentiles, right? That's what we say. But we just saw that we've been grafted in and the conduct of the 144,000 is what has got them sealed. So what about these folks? Who is this great multitude standing in white robes with palms in their hands before the throne of God from all over the world? Well, verse 10. They cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. What is John seeing in his vision in the revelation? He's seeing a time when all these people are standing before God, but now in verse 14 or verse 13. And one of the elders answered saying unto me. So an elder is now saying to John in the vision, what are these which are arrayed in white robes and whence came they? And I said unto him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Just told you who they are. It's not Gentiles. It's the church, but those who went in to the great tribulation because of the spots, the wrinkles, and the blemishes upon their garments. In other words, the great tribulation will serve the purpose of God in cleaning up his church. Is it a sad thing that the multitude, the great multitude, are people that are spotted by the world, spotted by the flesh, spotted by demonic activity in their soul realm? Yes. It's very sad. So it tells me that there will be a people walking on the earth that have received the true salvation of God, which is a deliverance from all evil. Pure conscience. The Apostle Paul said he had a conscience void of offense toward God and man. He said, I no longer live. Christ lives in me. He lived on the earth as one of those as a representation of the 144,000 overcomers that will live on the earth in the last days. 
We're in them right now, all over the world. There's a number. Some people say it's a symbolic number of the overcomers all over the world, 12 times 12, the governmental people of God. Because you know, if you're one of these 144,000 and you're unspotted and you're sealed, you're going to rule and reign with a rod of iron. There's no doubt you're an overcomer. So this is to the overcomers. And remember, the overcomers will rule the nations of the earth with a rod of iron. Revelation chapter 2, verse 26. Let me read it real quick. He says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 26, He that overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, uh, even as I received of my father. So Jesus said, because I overcame, I have a rod of iron. I'm going to rule the nations, but the overcomers are going to rule and reign with me. That's the 144,000. So who is this other group? I saw them coming out of the great tribulation, which means they were in it. And the great tribulation served in getting them cleaned up before the Lord. You know, there are multitudes of of people that go to church today. I'm not being critical, haughty. If I do, just rebuke the daylights out of me. But the fact of the matter is there are multitudes of men and women that go to church, belong to church for years, that are hearing a gospel that no longer possesses the power to sanctify the innermost part of their being. There is a watered-down gospel that has no sanctifying power to penetrate the iniquity in the heart or the sin or the spot or the defilement or the depravity in the soul of man. It's just not there. It's a feel-good message. Tells everybody you're going to heaven. Feel good. Meanwhile, they're sloppy in their conduct before Christ. That's all. And listen, I'm not saying, hey, I'm, you got to be like me. God forbid, I'm just saying there is a reality of people that go to church that are unclean. They are spotted. They are wrinkled. They are blemished. They gossip. They have pride. They have lust and fear and jealousy and gossip and you know, all the stuff. They walk in the flesh. And we check ourselves. Are we walking in the flesh? We have to examine ourselves. And if we're one of those that say, yeah, I walk in the flesh, but I don't really care too much about changing that well that's on me that means okay i am still a believer but i'm going into that great tribulation for three and a half years i may be martyred i may have to give up my life and be persecuted uh, but something god's going to use to get me cleaned up and then i will stand before the throne remember where they stand go back to revelation 7 where did he see them he saw them what they were before the throne on their faces, well, the overcomers are ruling and reigning from within the throne. We just read that. So are you one of those that are going to be before the throne, or are you one of those going to be sitting in the throne with the Lord as an overcomer ruling and reigning? Not because you're Jewish externally, but because you have a Jew's heart internally, meaning a sanctified Holy Spirit. That's all Revelation 7 is really saying. And it goes on to say in verse 15, Therefore are they before the throne of God. They're before the throne, these untold multitude, and, have, and, and serve him day and night in his temple, and he that sits on the throne shall dwell among them. 
They shall hunger no more, hallelujah, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Listen, the deal is a good deal no matter what, as long as you keep your faith. But remember, many are going to fall away. The love of many are going to wax cold. And there may be 2 billion believers in the world today. Well, by the time this thing is shaken down, there will still be a great multitude. You know, you go to a a football stadium, see 100,000 people. That's a great multitude. Or a million people. That's a great multitude that no man can number. It's hard to number a million people, quite frankly. Bottom line is, if you remain faithful, if we repent, if you get cleaned up before the Lord, if we get ourselves washed in the blood of the Lamb and we get it right and walk with God through this difficult time called the Great Tribulation, we are going to have the blessing. But it's nothing like the ruling and reigning governmental people of God who are working it out right here, right now, that will be spared from the Great Tribulation. Pretty clear? I'd love to hear your comments on that. That's what I've been taught. It's what I believe. But I want to move on to chapter 8 now because here's a mystery. Everything we've just talked about, here is a mystery. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. So we just had a pause in the pangs in chapter 7. All we had after all those seals opening in chapter 7, all we saw was uh, angels that were holding back these winds There was a sealing of the overcomers. We just saw the two identities of who they were. And all of a sudden, Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So a silah. And I saw the seven angels, which stood before God, And to them were given seven trumpets. There's a mystery. You ready? Another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So remember, there were six seals that opened. There was a pause of what he saw in the future, the overcomers. Those that came out of great tribulation, that was all visionary of what the future would bring. But all of a sudden now comes the reality again, back to the labor pangs. And there are people that are... So there are people that are now praying. And you can imagine, you go from chapter 6... And you jump to chapter 8 because there's just a pause in the midst of a vision of the future. But now with all that shaking that just happened in the first six seals, can you imagine the level of prayer that's going to be going up around the world? And there's this angel that has a golden censer, and it was given in him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. So get this. Revelation 6, the seals are open, the prophecy begins, the beginning of sorrows, great shakings. Then there's that little pause about the future events. And now what's happening? 
We get back to reality, and people are praying all over the world. Oh, my God, what's going on? The heavens are shaking. Uh, The sun, the moon, the stars are being afflicted. There's mountains being moved out of their places. Uh, There's hurricanes, famines, wars. I mean, what's going on? The world's and people start praying. And they're praying and praying and praying all over the world. They're praying. And this angel's taking their prayers. And what, how does God respond in verse 5? Well, the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. So all of a sudden, prayers are going up. Fire is being taken and it's being cast onto the earth. And what happens? Verse 6. Watch, here's the mystery. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. Now, I want to ask you a question. Four angels were holding back the four winds. Is that correct? Correct. Revelation 7. We have now, you're going to see, There are seven angels with seven trumpets, but the first four angels are very specific. And then there's another pause. And then there's the three angels that sound afterwards. In order for a trumpet to make a sound, what has to happen? You have to blow wind or air, a current of breath. You have to blow the wind through the instrument, so it will make a sound. And the word trumpet means to reverberate a vibration, a sound that literally causes, in the Greek, an earthquake. In other words, a shaking. So what happens in Revelation chapter 8 is now we have the sealed, the sealed sons of God, and we have a vision of those that are going to be going into the Great Tribulation. But remember... When the four winds blow, kingdoms come out of the sea, right? So these four angels with the four trumpets are about to sound. When they sound, the first one is the first wind. These are the four winds that are going to begin to blow on the earth to create an atmosphere of the political and social agitations that are going to stir up the nations of the earth. Now watch this. Revelation uh, Chapter 8, verse 7, the first angel sounded. And I could get you the Greek on this. It's pretty awesome. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of trees was burned up, and all green grass was burned up. You could find that event in the book of Exodus. You'll see a type and shadow. Again, the Bible interpreting itself. In the book of Exodus, when God was ready to judge Egypt, representing the world powers, he was going to judge them. One of the first things that happened was that there was hail that fell upon the Egyptian empire. So we see here there was hail Fire mingled with blood. My friend Jeffrey Goodman, who wrote the book, The Comets of God, says this is an exact description of the comets when they're coming and falling to the earth, how they intermingle with each other. So where does this hit? It burns up green grass, a third part of the trees, 
It's an earth event. I want you to remember that. The first wind is an earth event, but notice it's only in part. It's not the end of the end. You don't get there until Revelation 16. This is a third, this is a part, okay? The third part of trees was burned up and all green grass was burned up. That's an earth event, a part. Revelation 8.8, the second angel sounded. Here comes the second wind. And and as, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire. Some people say a volcano. Some people say a large comet, like a mountain is burning with fire, was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. So here we have something falling onto the sea. We have an earth event in the first seal or in the, in the first trumpet. We have a sea event in the second trumpet and only a part. It's a partial judgment. Okay. It's the ramping up of those contractions. And then we read in verse 10, and the third angel sounded, or the third wind was released through the trumpet, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, sounds like a meteorite to me, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So you have an earth event, you have a sea event, now you have a water supply event, but it's a partial judgment where literally, probably through radiation or whatever is going to cause it, the waters are going to be made bitter, people are going to die. And by the way, all these are all in the book of Exodus when God was judging. It was there, remember the waters turned red with blood, people couldn't eat, there was a water supply event. So the third Trumpet sounds, the third wind released. Revelation 8:12. the fourth angel sounded, the fourth wind was released. The third part of the sun, again, a partial judgment, but this is now against the sun, was smitten, the third part of the moon, third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened and the day shone not for a third part of it and the night likewise. Now you have a celestial event. You have an earth event, a, a, a sea event, a water supply event, and a celestial event. Four trumpets equaling four winds. These events are happening on the earth. And you can imagine the turmoil that's going to hit the earth when this begins. And then in verse 13, after the fourth angel, the fourth wind sounded, it then says, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying, With a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So notice, Revelation 7 starts about four winds. The four winds are in the first four trumpets. We see that that's happening. Now further woes are ready to happen, which we will discover in Revelation chapter 9. 10, and, and then it just, it just, it gets pretty amazing. It actually goes all the way to chapter 11, 9, 10, and 11, where the three woes will take place. All right. I threw a lot of information, a lot of information out there, and 
it's time for me to go check out and see what's happening. If everybody is out there listening, I want to say good morning to a number of people in the chat room today. First of all, I want to say good morning to Brenda Torville. God bless you, Brenda. Good morning. Marilyn Noble is with us today. Good morning, uh, Marilyn Noble. Welcome to the broadcast. Cindy, our dear sister Cindy Messman is with us this morning. Good morning to you. And I see Jim Stapp is with us. Good morning, Jim. And Kathy Bruns from South Dakota. Good morning. Interesting times we are living in. God's word being fulfilled. Blessings. Amen to that. Uh, I see Melissa Fletcher, South Dakota. Again, we're going to be going to South Dakota here in about three weeks. Somewhere around there, we're going to be ministering the word of God. Good morning to Sarah Ankerman that is with us from California, San Diego area. We're doing good. Terry Shannon is with us today, giving a good morning to everybody, saying good morning, Brenda and Cindy and all listeners. Good prophecy teaching. Pastor Vincent is repeating so many others in a very knowledgeable manner. Vincent Xavier is a blessing to us listeners. Thank you, brother. That was a beautiful uh, sentiment. Uh, Brenda Torville, Terry, he sure is. Learned for much, okay? Carol Carey, good morning to Carol Carey. Uh, Miriam and Phil Buzzwell are with us this morning with a good morning. Keith Carey, good morning, Pastor V. Kathy, I was so busy writing Isaiah 13, 5, 14 notes that I forgot to hit send. Okay. Uh, Jody Keene is with us today. All the American Christians around me will not accept Bible prophecies are being fulfilled. They have already forgotten the stolen election, the year lockdown, and forced vaccinations. You are absolutely right. It's mind-numbing to realize that so many people are being so blinded, but it is also a prophetic reality. Uh, Vanessa KM, to empowering God's will, cause my think their rich billionaire can take over all their wealth. That's right. Welcome to the program, Vanessa. All right, so we've talked about the 144,000. Most Christians don't study Bible prophecies. You're right, Jody. Jody says, Brenda, I've been studying it for 45 years as a woman back in the early 80s. I drove my pastor nuts. I heard about the New World Order in 1979, and here it is, and they don't get it. All right, Terry Shannon, yes, sir, you're correct about us as a nation sinning. That's Isaiah 9:10. He has taken away the bricks have fallen, his hedge of protection, and we as a people as a whole allowed it to happen by not voting for good Christian leaders. Now read Isaiah 9:16. Our leaders cause us to error, and those who follow them will perish. Not true believers, but those who follow them voting in such as Isaiah 520, calling good evil and evil good. Well said, Terry. Well said. All right, so here we have, okay, are some other friends here. I see Sandra Oten is with us today. Good morning, Sandra Oten. God bless you. Um, let's say Jody says, I taught Jewish roots for 25 years, and I have prophecy exhibit in Israel, and believers still don't care. Wow, that's awesome. That is so awesome, Jody. God bless you for your hard labor. Nothing, none of your labor will go in vain when it was under the Lord. He gathers up all the fragments of all we've done, and it will be a testimony in the times ahead, like all things. All right, so uh, Terry says, brothers and sisters, search YouTube for the Messiah has appeared in Israel. This man is surrounded by thousands trying to touch him. All right, well, Terry, isn't that something? Uh, let me see. At 39-minute mark, he speaks of Jews. The wild olive tree is grafted in Romans. Okay. Uh, great stuff out there, Terry, you're bringing. Keep carry. Amen. What a revelation in the word you are bringing. Thank you, Jesus. Heart failure Bible scholar, Keith, only the tribe of Judah are Jews. Well, yeah, in the natural, that's true. They are definitely overcomers in the 
biblical new covenant reality. All right. I wonder who heart failure Bible scholar is. Hmm. I wonder if he's the same as Mr. Goldberg. <laughs> All right. Uh, Keith Carey, heart failure. You missed how God. Okay. That's good. That's a good conversation. Kim Watkins, love is with us. Uh, welcome to you, Kim and Keith and Kim. Hundred four thousand is the ecclesia. I believe that absolutely the overcomers. Um, let's go on down to David Ellison saying good morning this morning. Good morning, David. River of Fire Ministries, preacher brother. That's Pastor David Victoria River of Fire up in South Dakota. We'll be seeing them very soon. Joyce is with us this morning with a good morning. Shirley Woolsey, very eye-opening. Pray we are already. Absolutely, man. If we're not aware of the birth pangs that we've just been in, we don't know that there's a woman in travail, do we? All right, so surely it's time for the truth to be preached. God bless you. And they have no oil. That's right. The foolish virgins have no oil. Hey, our lines are open right now, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Omega Radio. But right now on Blog Talk Radio, you could dial the number 818-369. And I'll actually put that on the screen for you right now, 818-369-0326. And what you do is press one on your dial pad. And we would be more than happy to hear your questions or comments. You know, I presented a view this morning and Somebody else may have a totally different view, and that's okay. That is absolutely okay. But I'm going to ask you to go back to yesterday's broadcast, take today's broadcast, and put it all together. And we're going to continue to look at the next three trumpets starting next week. I'm not going to do it now. I want to have conversation with some folks. 818-369-0326. Press 1 on the dial pad. And we'll bring you directly into uh, the show. So where are we? Where are we? That's the big question. I want to shout out to a few new friends out there. Robin in Escondido, California. God bless you if you're tuned in today. What a great phone call yesterday we had. Uh, you need to meet Sarah. Sarah, if you're still tuned in, you need to meet Robin. She lives in Escondido and just found this radio broadcast. So we'll chat about that. As far as a tour to Israel, um, I don't know any particular tour guide. There's a lot of them. I mean, a lot of them. I've uh, been to Israel three times, and I know a great spot for a bunch of people to go to, 25 bucks a night, mm, right in the heart of downtown Old Jerusalem, in, a, in, a, in an old church, stone church. And you just put your baggage there, and then you go and you search it out. You don't really need a tour guide. You could have them. And we've got some friends out there that actually do that as well. But uh, I pray that you'll find the right one, those of you that want to go to Israel. Again, if you didn't tune in at the beginning of the broadcast, there were 40 people killed in northern Galilee in the last 24 hours. Over 150 were wounded by a stampede. There were 90,000 people gathered together in northern Galilee uh, just a few hours ago. And they pressed upon one another, and 40 people were crushed to death, men, women, and children, with 150, um, the the death toll may go up. 90,000 people were crushed in northern Galilee early this morning. So sad. So absolutely sad. And I said, and I believe the Bible is showing us, if what we've just been through, and let's mark a moment here, 
If what we've just been through since 9-11-2001, when God called to this nation and said, wake up. And for a few weeks, we woke up. And we went right back to sleep. We hit the alarm snooze button, right? What has been happening for the last 20 years in our country has been nothing short of an acceleration of a woman in travail. We have seen events in the sun, moon, and stars. We saw blood red moons, a tetrad of them. We saw solar eclipses. We saw a Revelation 12 constellation over Jerusalem, Israel, literally show up on September 23rd, 2017. I mean, the perfect constellation spoken of in Revelation 12, first time in 5,000 years, viewable one night over Israel. My God. And what were the sun, moon, and stars? That they were created to do what? To give you and I signals, warnings, omens of things that are coming. And we have seen some things coming. We saw a topsy-turvy election in 2016 that created rioting, burning, hatred, anger. And we've been watching it ever since. Folks, we've seen massive hurricanes strike places all over the country. We saw California on fire, burning and blazing. We saw school shootings in Parkland, Florida. We saw 58 people get shot and killed in Las Vegas, Nevada. We saw 26 people get shot and killed at a church, a Baptist church in Texas. We saw it in El Paso, Texas. We saw it in Ohio. We see all these crazy things going on. We saw turmoil in Hong Kong. We see it in China, in Russia. We saw celestial events. I mean, all over the world, Venezuela. We saw a, we have a crisis at the border. We see the turmoil, but we're, it, we're, we're, we're giving, we're being told that, you know, this isn't, this isn't anything really to think about. And I'm telling you, it is. It's all biblical. And, and we're sitting here saying, okay, well, what is the next thing to come? And it appears, we, we, I believe, personally, war is coming. But because of the amount of people on planet Earth and the kind of war that is going to be fought, I believe a lot of people are going to die I believe that that sixth seal is at the door. I believe the, is, the events of the partial judgments upon the earth, upon the sea, upon the waters, in the economy, and famines, and pestilences, and everything that God said would happen is happening. And what it all is really speaking about, when those four winds blow, remember, an empire is going to come out of the sea. And what do you read in Revelation 13? I'll just give you a little, just a little tidbit. Revelation 13, verse 1, I stood upon the sand of the sea. This is all. And I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. You saw that in Daniel chapter 7. And his feet were as the feet of a bear. We saw that in Daniel chapter 7. His mouth was as the mouth of a lion. We saw that in Daniel 7. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. What is that all about? In Daniel 7, the lion was Babylon. The Medo-Persians conquered Babylon. They became the power 
the Medo-Persian Empire. Then Greece came along, conquered them. They became the power. They were the leopard. But what do you see here in Revelation? They're no longer independent. The leopard, the bear, the lion, the dragon is involved. They all become one. And I cannot resist the idea that this is talking about a caliphate, the seven heads, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and whoever that seventh was between now and then when Israel became a nation. It's either the United States of America that's become a beast in her nature towards God like Israel has, maybe even Babylon itself, but then the eighth is made up of the seven, which is the United Nations that's going to have a, it has a very strong block of the Islamic block and communism. So we'll, we'll get into all that. The great red dragon of China, you know, the 666 is, is the, here, the number of a man's name. Well, 666 is the Chi Z stigma and the Z is the XI. And that's the president of China's name. We're, we're going to get into all this as we go. But just know that when these winds begin to blow, it's coming. And we're moving towards it. This is the birthing of a new world order, which requires the collapsing of every independent sovereign nation on the face of the earth and population reduction. And we're witnessing that with our eyes right now. And we have this sense as we move into the summer that we're going to see it break loose. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. And you and I need to be ready in our spirit, our soul, and our body. Our spirit is that we are in tune with God. We do follow the Lamb wherever He leads. We obey Him. Okay? Our soul is our mind, will, emotions put in check. Get them under control. Don't just flare up over injustice, right? Get yourself under control. And your physical body, do the best you can. I was somewhere the other day, and I, I'm not trying to be rude, but there was a place where we never go to, um, uh, what do they call them, smorgasbord, go to like a golden corral or whatever. We never go there, but we were, we were I, I got to leave it alone. Just take care of your physical body, okay? I got to go. I want you to have an incredible weekend. We've simply run out of time today. I'm Pastor Vince right now on Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's a roundtable discussion. I hope you go and listen to it. It's happening right now until we meet again. Shalom and God bless you.